It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I hope you had a Merry Christmas. And Horned Frog fans, I hope we'll have a Happy New Year because we'll be talking about TCU beating Michigan. Matt Jennings is with me. We'll talk about the matchup next. You are locked on Horned Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horned Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is locked on Horn Frogs. I'm here with Matt Jennings. Uh, we're going to talk TCU in Michigan today. And TCU fans, I know you're excited about this week. It's game week. It's here. Michigan fans have been frequenting my channel recently and saying that Jim Harbaugh was going to shove his pleated khakis down TCU's throat and make us drink some whole milk soon, and that's all fine. They're very, they're a very confident bunch. I understand it. Michigan's had a great season. They've blown out most of their opponents. They had a great season last year. They're in the playoffs. They're a big brand name. They're very physical. I understand all these things. But we're going to break this down, and I have somebody with me today, so it'll be fun. Uh, Matt joins me throughout the season, and we talk TCU football. And so, Matt, I want to start. This is this is the big question that everybody's been asking and sort of mulling over for weeks. TCU's defense, a little undersized. They run a 3-3-5. They're more traditionally set up to stop teams that spread you out, that try to go sideline to sideline. Um, they're playing a Michigan team that does not do that. They line up and they run the ball straight at you. And even though Blake Corum has gone down, Donovan Edwards has come in and has done a fantastic job behind really what is what this what makes this engine run for them, which is this offensive line, which won the Joe Moore Award, and it's very, very good. And so I have been saying – hey, you have to stack the box. You have to find a way to slow this run game down and make J.J. McCarthy beat you. And many Michigan fans have had the joy of telling me that Ohio State did this. It did not work out for them well. J.J. McCarthy is a great quarterback. They'll be fine, which I understand. I understand that he's a good QB. My point really is, if you're going to lose this football game, it can't be Michigan running against light boxes, right? Like maybe this plan doesn't work, but I think it's about the only way to approach this that makes any sense. If McCarthy and Ronnie Bell in this passing game beat you on New Year's Eve, then hey, you live with that. If you get beat just with their strength, with that, which that might happen even if you do load the box. It's not like that's some magic way to stop the run. Then I feel like it's a it's a harder pill to swallow. But all that to say. Can TCU find a way to keep Michigan out of second and manageable, third and manageable, and keep them from just moving the chains on the ground like they have really all season long? What what do you see there in that matchup between, you know, their offensive line and TCU's front seven? I think I think TCU TCU's not gonna sh- shut them down running the ball. It's just right. not gonna happen. And to your point, um, Donovan Edwards is really, really good. It says something about just the way Michigan has recruited that a Heisman contender running back and Blake Corum goes down and they just plug in another stud who is, you know, just 
carving teams up and uh and and so i'm i'm very scared of, of donovan edwards i will say um uh and their offensive line is spectacular uh, they they've run the they've not only won the joe moore award this year they've I believe they won it two years in a row but they're really great right and that's what harbaugh wants to do has been all of that so it's not a matter of whether or not you can you can shut them down. It's a matter of whether or not you can slow them down. I think the thing, if you're going to look for optimism as a TCU fan in terms of whether or not TCU can do that, you point to the style of running that Michigan does um, and how TCU has done against that style this season. And I think some people have made this comparison, the closest analog in terms of an opponent that, T- that uh, TCU has faced um, this season already is Texas. Um, in terms of the teams, the teams that have gashed TCU on the ground have done it with a lot of, a lot of window dressing, you might say, a lot of pre-snap motion, a lot of interesting, um, pulling linemen tactics, things like that. That's how Baylor got it done. That was some of how Kansas state got it done. Um, whereas, um, Michigan is more like Texas in that they're not going to do anything that is um, crazy fancy in terms of their blocking schemes or anything like that. They're going to lean on you for four quarters because they believe they have an athletic advantage and they're going to, and and they're almost always correct. Um, and so, like I said, the, the closest analog is Texas and TCU did really well in that game when TCU can just play assignment football and not have to be, um, thinking too much assignment wise in, in, um, in, uh, controlling their gaps and, and playing, uh, sound uh, against the run. They've been really, really good. Um, the difference being obviously that Texas offensive line is, is bad, is, is bad this year. And that's part of yeah. why TC was able to win that, uh, win that matchup in a big way. Michigan's offensive line is really darn good. Right. And so I'm not sure, um, I'm not sure how that, how meaningful that is in this game but i will Mm -hmm. say the the thing again like i said the thing that like baylor did um where they were just like getting your eyes in the wrong place and then and then punishing you for that michigan's not going to do that michigan's just going to be like we're gonna we're gonna run the ball vertically between the tackles and we believe that we're gonna win that athletic matchup and they probably will um the question is just can you limit the bleeding enough to, to your point, get Michigan into some unfavorable down and distance situations where it is up to JJ McCarthy to make the play. Um, because those are situations where I do think TCU has an advantage because I like what TCU uh, can do, um, what their secondary can do, certainly what Trey Hot, what Trey, Trey Hodges Hodge Tomlinson and Josh Newton can do against um, in these matchups. I, I'm looking for it. Here we go. Um, this uh, this from Bill Connolly from ESPN. Um, Michigan's um, uh, completion percentage again uh, on what you would call like contested passes. Um, I'm trying to find it right now. Is uh, is the is one of the lowest in the country, and um, certainly it's the lowest among playoff teams. And TCU, meanwhile, is one of the best teams at contesting lots of passes um, because the physical style that Newton and play. So if you can get them, that's a big if. If you can get them into an unfavorable down distance where they have to try and win a one-on-one matchup against those corners. Um, History says that McCarthy's not great at making those throws, and this offense is not good at converting in those situations. Um, the question is just whether or not Dominic Williams and the rest of that defensive front can control the line of scrimmage enough to get into those situations, um, or at least do it in 
do it in enough spots, right? Yeah, it's an interesting point about like the way teams run against them because they've done it a lot on the edges. And I mean, like I assume Michigan sees that on film. Well, I know they do. And they're probably going to incorporate some of that into the game plan, but they are a team that runs, you know, between the tackles a lot. Um, yeah, so I, I I think the transition here is the the front seven against the Michigan O line. That's obviously a disadvantage for TCU, and I don't expect them to excel there. I think it's really just a matter of can you hold up enough to you know allow your offense to stay in the game. Um, but on that defensive side, I do think TCU is really good at the corner position. You know, Travis Hodges Tomlinson won the Thorpe Award. Josh Newton has held his own this year as a second corner. And so I, I do feel like we'll see some man-to-man situations where TCU will at least try to hold up a man coverage. But I wonder, Matt, like how much Joe Gillespie changes his philosophy here. Because the other side of that is if you're going to let your corners play um, a lot of man coverage in those you know spots, you got to get some sort of pass rush. <laughs> And that's not something that they've been great at just doing straight up. Um, and he's not someone that likes to bring a ton of blitzes. So I, I'm not sure what the answer is there, but I, I, I think there's going to be a balance between, um, yeah, we got to allow our guys to play, but we also can't just sit like seven or eight back and hope that our front three or front four can get to McCarthy and get home because that, that hasn't been a winning recipe for them. Yeah, I would expect them to blitz a little bit more, particularly from the linebacker position. Um, in, in this game, I think Jamoy Hodge has been productive as a pass rusher. In, I think Shad Banks is is a, a phenomenal athlete and has done a good job of, of harassing um, opposing ball carriers, quarterbacks, and otherwise in the backfield when you've asked him to do it. And um, so I, I do think I would expect them to do that. D winners had a huge sack in the big Toe title game as well. Um, so they have the personnel. That's, that's, that's what I would expect is them for the blitz mm-hmm. a little bit um, more um, in those situations and say, all right, like we, we are going to dare. And Sonny like said this last, uh, last week, I believe it was on Colin Coward and he's talking about this. I'm um, talking about making McCarthy beat him. Um, I do think that'll probably be their philosophy of like, Hey, like let's, we don't, um, excuse me, the, the making McCarthy prove that he can make those throws. Right. Um, and McCarthy is like a blue chip quarterback has been good this season, just has not been asked to do that in big moments. Even the big throws he made against Ohio state, he made, um, and kudos to him for, for converting the opportunities. He, his receivers on those touchdowns were running wide open. Like there was huge coverage busts on Ohio state's part. TCU has those coverage busts and they've had a few of those this season. Then yeah, he could feast. Absolutely. But if they can hold up and then they can harass him, um, with uh, blitzes from that linebacker position, then again, you got a shot, but again, it's predicated on, can you control the line of scrimmage enough to even get to that situation? Um, I certainly don't think you can do it for four quarters, but if you can do it in a couple key drives and force field goals, force punts um, when you need it. Um, the other thing that stands out to me about it, and and I and I, and I want to get your thoughts on this, is talking about getting those stops in key moments. The reason that stands out to me is because TCU's offense, while it's been elite in terms of explosiveness this season, has been super streaky. Like, like they, like they come out of the gates firing on all cylinders and then they, um, just struggle for maybe 
you know, two or three drives, then the first half, and then they pick it up again in the second half. It's just they've had trouble putting it together for four quarters. And so what do you think they need to do in that regard to try and avoid that? Can they afford to, to run into that situation again uh, against Michigan and, and still come out with a win? Right. I mean, there's been a lot – there's a lot of focus on TCU's defense and their ability – to hold up in what is a pretty, you know, on paper, a pretty obvious disadvantage. But I would argue, I think the bigger key is the TCU offense has to get back to playing elite football. I don't feel like they did that over the last month of the regular season and at the conference title game. They, you talked about the big plays. They've always been relying on that, but it, it became more and more pronounced that it was almost, you know, you know, bomb to Quentin Johnston or bomb to Tay Barber or bust in a lot of scenarios on some of these drives, still putting up points. But yeah, they would go four or five drives in a row where it was three and out. There was maybe one first down, then having to punt again. And that does this team no favors. That's just not a way that they're going to be able to consistently um, be successful. So it, it starts with protecting Max. There's a pretty obvious blueprint that we saw really since the tech game which is teams are just going to heat, heat TCU up. Like they're going to bring a lot of pressure, um, whether that's with their, you know, four down linemen or three down linemen or bringing some blitz packages to try to confuse this offensive line. Uh, Andrew Coker and Brandon Coleman on, on at those tackle positions, they have to find a way to hold up. I will say I'm, I'm more optimistic about that because I do think – that might be where this having a month off and some extra time to repair could be most helpful for this team is Garrett Riley and Sonny Dykes saying, all right, let's find some ways to get the ball out of Max's hands quickly. Maybe use the designed run game a little bit more with him, find a way to get these, you know, D linemen at least checking their reads more and not just coming straight off the line and coming after the quarterback. Um, trying to get some, you know, easy first downs, some easy yards on first down. But really, I, I think, Matt, it comes down to Kendra Miller was a force for most of the year. And against Kansas State, he struggled. Um, you know, the Iowa State game was – they played great, but it was so hard to tell because Iowa State kind of laid down after a couple touchdowns in that one. Um, but if if Miller can get going here, and he can get you know four or five yards of carry and move the chains, then I think this offense is set up to have a good day. I mean, this is a Michigan defense that is really, really solid. And um, what they might be best at is forcing field goals, you know, not allowing teams to get in the end zone. The TCU has to be efficient in the red zone as well. But, I mean, what, what have you seen that sort of changed um, for, for this team as far as not being able to run the football as effectively and then getting in those second and long, third and long situations where they just haven't been nearly as efficient in, in trying to move the chains. Yeah, I think I think what you alluded to with with Max Duggins running the ball will be the thing that might be able to unlock that. Unlock Kendra Miller's potential in this game because if if the defense can just key on Kendra Miller or whoever the running back is on a given play um TCU's uh, offensive line particularly on the edges I just don't think is equipped to be able to um to move the ball consistently and kind of 
control the line of scrimmage. However, to your point, if the defensive line has to account for an extra uh, an extra hat in the run game in Max Duggan, um, that opens things that opens things up for you. Potentially, you've got uh, numbers in uh, in the blocking um, for Kendra Miller, for Amari Mercado, for whoever it is, and I think that could open things up in a big way. And I, and we talked about this the last time I was on. I think um, you you cut Max Duggan loose in that regard this game because you're in a one game season. You got nothing else that you're playing for. Like this is mm-hmm. it. Um, you're not. I think they've been judicious about when they have asked Max Duggan to run the ball this season um, because they they were trying to keep him healthy for a full season. He's going to the draft, and as he should, because his stock's never going to be higher. And um, there, and 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 if you if if you don't win this game, then your season is over. You have nothing left to save him for. You give him the green light to to scramble. You give him the green light to, uh, and you not just give him the green light to create and improvise, but you also design runs from where that's QB power, read option stuff, draws, whatever it is, uh, to get the ball in his hands. And I think that does exactly what you're saying, which it kind of keeps the the defensive line um, from being able to just pin their ears back and go out and, and, and rush upfield um, and 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 not respect. Um, that the danger that that he brings that, and then that opens things up for Kendrick Miller um, because uh, you have to devote an extra whether it's a spy, whether that's the guy on the on the zone read has to hesitate for an extra half a second. It mm-hmm. opens things up for you, um, and that's something that I think probably hurt them down the stretch of the season because because you know they were doing it more early on in the year with Duggan. You know, especially like Oklahoma, I think is the is yeah. is the game that I think of in particular. Um, and then after the Oklahoma game, it was like, oh, because remember they came into the Oklahoma game like Chandler Morris had only just gotten healthy, and they were like, okay, let's see. Yeah, they were still rolling with Max Duggan. I don't think they were committed to him as the starter long term at that point. And then once they blow out Oklahoma, and they thought, oh wait, we've got something special here. I think then their perspective on using him as a runner change they're like oh wait hold on if duggan's the hot hand and we're gonna ride with him then we gotta find a way to keep him keep him healthy and so i think that changed the way they utilized him now they have the freedom to kind of utilize him however they want and we saw what that did against kansas state in the big 12 title game and honestly if they had gotten that earlier in the game maybe they win um so that's the thing that stands out to me in terms of if you're going to be able to run the ball, um, you got to you got to make them respect all the different ways you can run the ball, um, not just you know Kendra Miller uh, trying to create something um, bouncing it to the outside because you're, you're you're not going to be able to control the edges against this against this Michigan defensive front. I don't think. Another thing about the run game, and I don't know what the adjustment's going to be. But one of their bread and butter plays, really their bread and butter play in the run game, other than zone read and kind of inside zone, was um, I don't know what the the verbiage on it is, but basically it's like a, a guard tackle counter. So it's essentially, you know, your backside guard and tackle are pulling, and the Miller Di Mercado is, you know, leaning one way and then comes back the other way and follows those that that pulling action um, to the other side of the formation, and teams have been like slanting on that they've been blowing that up at the point of attack by just being really aggressive and it's a slower developing run play so if you can't establish that line of scrimmage then it just gets blown up and it doesn't work and i'm not sure what they're going to do to mitigate that but i think that's been one of the biggest issues is you know one of their base plays has just sort of been figured out and they haven't had an adjustment quite yet on how to how to find a way to make that work 
Well, and that's one thing that to your point about having an extra month off, I think that benefits them in addition to what you said about um, the extra time to game plan and put in some new wrinkles or, or, or come up with some, some solutions to what the way teams have been game planning for them. I think it was getting healthy, right? Yeah. You know, um, in some key short yardage situations um, against Kansas state, they were getting blown up um, at the point of attack to your point. Um, and I think some of that comes to the fact that that was their 11th straight game without a bye to that point. Right. Um, and you add into that, that Max Duggan wasn't all the way healthy and Kendra Miller wasn't all the way healthy and Quentin Johnston wasn't all the way healthy. And so you give those guys, you know, essentially four weeks to get physically right and get rested. Um, and, and get, allow the offensive line to recuperate and, and, th- put that on top of getting some wrinkle, getting some additional wrinkles in there. And maybe you come up with some sort of counterpunch to the way teams have been scheming to, uh, for that GT counter. Um, then maybe you, again, you're the results from that look end up being really, really different in this game. Um, now, obviously that goes both ways, right? Like Michigan gets a chance to get healthy too, right? Michigan yeah. gets a chance to, to get right and, and to game plan some things. Um, and, and I think I said this before, but like what we've seen in the playoff semifinals, generally speaking, is that that, and a lot, not just the playoff semifinals, but a lot of bowl games, that extra time to prepare, like, see, feels like it lends itself to a lot of blowouts sometimes because um, maybe the team with the better physical advantage has a chance to, again, get physically right and mm-hmm. game plan some things and get prepped and everything. Um, and you end up with a, t- with, you know, a really well rested team that already had a talent advantage and then things could get ugly. Um, but I think it does it, it, it cuts both ways. If you get a chance where you could, you know, TCU was just in a grind for, like I said, eleven straight games where all that they could really focus on was the next week and trying to, you know, survive in advance. You give them you give Garrett Riley and Joe Gillespie and Sonny Dykes four weeks to game plan um, and prepare while their team that was so physically beat up and still and still performing at a really high level give that team a chance to get healthy um i think there's a chance that they could um they could surprise us um and look very different than they have looked over the last month of the season that's the optimist view of it um i oscillate between that and thinking that it's gonna be ugly um ask me ask me uh within five minutes and i'll have two different answers for you (laughs) No, you're right. I mean, it, it does. I, I do think the month off is going to help TCU, but historically, TCU would have a much better chance of Michigan overlooking this game if it was at the end of September than coming off a month long hiatus and playing for a national championship berth. Like, it's just, it's silly to think that they're not going to give them their best shot. Your best chance of Michigan overlooking this game is that Jim Harbaugh is already looking ahead to that Colts job, you know? Right, yeah. If, if he's if he wants to go interview, uh, is Jeff Saturday not going to be the full-time option there? I think they need to give him some, give him some more time. Former Decula's own, former Hebron Christian Academy in my neck of the woods, um, head coach Jeff Saturday, not turning into a phenomenal NFL head coach. Who would have thought? We have derailed so far. I'm very sorry. No, I had no idea. Well, I had no idea Nick Foles was still on the NFL roster, but that's that's just a fun fact that, that they are relevant. As an aside, since we're already here, um, I am upset for my boy Matt Ryan that they are are doing him dirty like this. But I understand at this point, it makes more sense for you for a draft position to put him on the bench and put in Nick Foles. So I get it. 
Um, former Sunny Dykes quarterback, Nick Foles. There we go. We brought it back. That's true. We brought it all back. It all comes back to, you know, the Sunny Dykes circle. Um, one more thing about the offense, and I'll get your thoughts in a second because I know one of the big playmakers for TCU you think has a chance to have a big game. Um, another aspect of this offense that I think has been kind of missing lately, and maybe this break and getting healthy will, will help this, but Darius Davis has really just become kind of a special teams player. And I think it would be a real disservice to this team if they didn't try to use his speed and his playmaking ability, his explosiveness in this game. And I don't know if that's, you know, with some jet sweep and around stuff, with some crossing patterns where you try to clear things out and allow him to catch the ball and make plays up field. Uh, but hopefully coming off this broken hand injury, he's in better condition. I just – I would hate to not try to use maybe the fastest player in college football in a huge game like this um, on the offensive side of the ball. I want to see him in more than just punt return situations, and I'm hopeful that they'll find a way to get him some touches. But, Matt, Quentin Johnston – I mean, he was fighting through this ankle injury for a number of weeks, still making plays, had a big game in the Big 12 title uh, matchup against Kansas State. And you feel like there might be some opportunities for him to go off here, given on how Michigan has allowed some yards to number one wide receivers throughout the season. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the area that I think TCU – that is the, the – the, the place where TCU can make the most hay against this Michigan defense. Um, not that they've been bad against the past. They've been, they've been very, very good, but you've seen um, in some close games or games that games that were close for a time, particularly against Ohio state and Purdue toward the end of the season, um, you had um, some dynamic receivers who had a chance to, to, who, who didn't just have a chance, but did have big, big games. Marvin Harrison jr. Seven catches for 120 yards um, for Ohio state. And then Emeka, Egbuka, um, nine catches for 125 yards and a touchdown as well. Um, obviously, you know, the result didn't go the way that Ohio State wanted to. Uh, that point you made, like, shout out to the Michigan fans in the comments um, saying, like, oh, well, Ohio State tried to do this. Ohio State tried to, you know, play this physical whatever against, against Michigan and it backfired on them. Um, I would say that the, the place where Ohio State misstepped was not in their uh, efforts to limit Michigan running the ball, which they were, you know, effective doing to varying degrees over the course of the game. It was really late in the game when Michigan started breaking off those big runs that kind of let them pull away. Where Ohio State's mistake was, in my opinion, was they were trying to match Michigan's play style on the offensive side of the ball. And so Ohio State was trying to, oh, we're just as physical and we're just we're just as much of a team that can run the ball and control the line of scrimmage as y'all are. It's like, no, y'all's advantage is how dynamic you are throwing the ball with CJ Stroud, Ibuka, and Harrison and the whole and the whole deal. Um, and they got away from that for some reason, especially in the second half. Um, and they kind of like mind tricked themselves into playing a style that ex that was exactly what Michigan wanted. And so I, I'm almost of the opinion that I think TCU being able to run the ball in this game is important because I think you need to make Michigan respect that. And like I said, I think Mich I think Max Duggan, you know, running the ball and adding an extra dimension to the offense, very important. But I don't think you do it to the intent of like, I'm, I'm not answering your question. I'm sorry, but you don't do oh, it to the intent of like, we want to control the line of scrimmage on offense and we want to prove that Kendra Miller can, can, and our offensive line can do the same stuff that 
take advantage of your advantage, which is that Quentin Johnston is going to be a first-round NFL pick uh, in this in the upcoming draft, and he's a phenomenal player, and he's got a, he's got an advantage over um, probably anybody who lines up against him. That's not a, that's not a statement about Michigan. That's a statement about um, Quentin Johnston as a player against literally any defensive back in college football. Take advantage of that, and uh, so I think you almost you know emphasize that over trying to do anything more than just make Michigan respect your run game rather than trying to control the line there. Um, but getting back to your uh, kind of original question about what was it about? I'm sorry. I'm Quentin Johnson <laughs> is having a big game. You think there's yeah, some potential? Yeah, Quentin Johnson. Break. Yeah, no, I think I think there's absolutely potential on that because uh, Harrison and Igbuka um, both had a big game against him, and then for Purdue, I believe it was what it was. I forget. I said Charlie Charlie Jones. Yes, had 13 against Michigan as well. So there's precedent. There's a blueprint there for um, receivers to be able to kind of. Um, Put up some big numbers. The question is just whether or not that those big numbers are in the are in the interest of winning. Um, they're contributing to a winning effort, which I think they could be um, if TCU, when they get those big plays with Johnston, they're either going for touchdowns, um, or if it gets you into scoring territory, gets you inside the twenty, you're not settling for field goals. To your point from earlier, you you're scoring touchdowns there. Um, I really don't want to see. TCU sending out Griffin Kell to kick field goals unless it's for a game winner at the end of the game. I think I don't think you can really afford to settle for three points uh, really anytime you get inside the Michigan 40 in this game. That's my that's my hot take. Yeah, I like it. I mean, the aggressiveness um, when you're in the underdog is, is one of the keys. You might swing and miss sometimes, but you can't – a lot of teams get in this playoff situation – and they just play scared. I remember in Washington against Bama a few years ago. Um, there are other examples, but it's just like let's just not get embarrassed. You can't play like that. You have to, if you're going to win the football game, you have to take some some calculated risk um, and make some big plays and, and take some big swings here. And Sonny Dykes, to his credit, has done that this season in terms of like the is the aggressiveness. He hasn't really, they haven't been in a situation where they were like huge underdogs where they had an opportunity to play scared, but I'm just talking in terms of like the aggressiveness. Um, he's very much a guy who has gone for it on, if it's like fourth and five or less, and he's like at like the 45, there's a, there's a pretty high probability that he's going for it. And sometimes it's, it, it hasn't gone well, but um, he, he's not somebody who is overly conservative in those situations. I think that's going to be to TCU's benefit in this game um, because I don't think you can afford it. I agree. I don't think you can afford to have a mindset where you just want to play close or you just want to keep it close. Like, no, you have to have the mentality of like, we're going to come in here and we're going to strike for the kill. We're going to come in here and we're going to try and, you know, hit the big play and stun them. You know, I think, again, Bill Connolly from ESPN um, phrased it as like TCU just thrown haymakers all season, but nobody's better at throwing haymakers than TCU is. And I think you do that. You, you stay aggressive. You try and hit the big plays. You go for on fourth down a lot and, um, you know, let the chips fall where they may. I'll say this. If you get blown out having that mentality, who cares, honestly? Because 
usually one, if not both, of the semifinals every year ends up in a blowout. And those have been blown out blowouts with teams like Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State. Um, the about the only team in the college football playoff era that's made it to the Oklahoma as 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 we got blown out multiple times in the playoff. The only team that I can think of that has gotten blown out in the playoff era is Georgia. Uh, Georgia's like one loss off era is to Alabama in overtime in the national championship game. Washington, the, to your point, that I think they ended up losing by like 10 in that game. But you know what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah. you, if you get blown out in this game, you're not doing anything that any other team in, like, it doesn't diminish you. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, make your season any less spectacular. It doesn't mean you're fraudulent. Means you are a team that ran into a really good team in the playoff semifinal, just like a bunch of teams before you. No shame in that. Uh, to your point, don't play scared. Go out there and play believing that you can win it, believing that uh, you can hit those big plays and that you can uh, you know, pull off the upset. Seven and a half points. It's not that much. No, it's not. And I mean, like the the national analysts are all picking Michigan to win this game. So there's really nothing to lose from a prestige standpoint. You just go out and play your game and, and see what happens. This is Locked On Horn Frogs. We are uh, a TCU podcast. You can subscribe on YouTube. Michigan fans, I have enjoyed hearing from you, um, and I understand why you're confident, and I'm excited about this football game on Saturday, and we'll see you know, what happens when these two teams take the field on Saturday afternoon. Thank you to Matt Jennings. We'll be back uh, tomorrow with more coverage of this game. Again, Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 